0: You are Locked On Pirates, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Pirates, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On Pirates, your Pittsburgh Pirates podcast of choice. My name is Jason Rolson. In addition to this podcast, you can find me on the pages of BucksDugout.com, PiratesBreakdown.com, and curiously enough, LockedOnPirates.com. And I'm happy to welcome in a colleague of mine at Bucks Dugout. His name is Alex Stumpf. He's coming to us live from Rain Soaked PNC Park, and Alex, how are you doing today?
1: I'm trying to dry off, but besides that, pretty good.
0: All right, just a little little housekeeping before we get started. As you probably are aware, the Pirates got absolutely washed out tonight, and uh, Bill Brink of the Post-Gazette is uh, saying on Twitter right now that everyone in the Pirates rotation is just going to be a bump back a day. So, if you're a Chad Cool fan, you'll get another chance to watch him tomorrow, and then you'll have Nova, Musgrove, and Williams for the rest of the Diamondback series. So... With that being said, Alex, uh, felt like a good time to jump on and, and do an impromptu podcast being that the Pirates suddenly had an off day. So, uh, first thing I want to talk to you about is the lineup today. And for the Walking Dead fans out there, do you remember that episode where Herschel uh, said when they were in the prison to Rick, he said, we're going to have spaghetti Tuesdays. We're going to have it on Wednesdays. It's kind of what I felt like watching or taking a look at rather the lineup for today. I thought this is a Sunday lineup on Wednesday. And it was Harrison leading off, followed by Meadows making his return from a bruised foot. Uh, Starting Marte, David Fries at third, batting fourth. Elias Diaz, Azuna at first base, batting sixth. Then Mercer, and Sean Rodriguez, and of course, Chad Cole. So, Alex, I think a lot of this might have been necessitated from Corey Dickerson, who had to go on family medical leave. We wish the best for him. Um, But what was your first thought when you saw that lineup today?
1: Well, I know how Clint Hurdle thinks, so my immediate reaction was to check to see if uh, Sutter had big splits for right-left, and he, in fact, does against lefties. Uh, lefties are only hitting 215, or weighted on-base average of 215, righties have a 380. Sean Rodd is a guy who, despite all his shortcomings, has had success against left-handed pitchers this year, and Jose Asuna is the same way. So I wasn't too surprised whenever I saw so many. Uh, Righties in the lineup, especially once uh, the revelation that Corey Dickerson was going to be taking some time away from the team. Hopefully, this isn't anything too seriously or anything too serious for him. But I actually didn't have that big an issue with the lineup as it was presented.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny because I, I wrote about this on Buck's dugout yesterday when Austin Meadows missed his second consecutive game, and this was before we found out that it was actually due to that bruised foot from a foul ball. But there are baseball reasons for some of this stuff. Um, yesterday with Meadows, again, before we found out he was injured, Polanco was starting to heat up. Hurdle might have wanted to get him sprung. And then um, some other reasons there, you can look at the post if you want to go through it. But today, like you said, uh, pretty pronounced left-right splits. And I know Sean Rodriguez gets a lot of the criticism. He's a lightning rod, basically, on the team right now. But I think, truthfully, the team knows now Better late than never. That Sean Rodriguez should not be counted on for any kind of regular playing time. Over the past two weeks, he's had only twelve plate appearances in parts of four games. So it's not as if he's playing a lot. So I'm with you, and I think that the lesson here is for Pirates fans to maybe not react so strongly when you first see the lineup, and then you know there are baseball reasons for some of this stuff. It's a, it's a funny thing.
1: Yeah, I mean the team's better. If Sean Rodriguez can be that utility guy who, like he was in 2016, and Jung Ho Gong, you know, he was pulled from the lineup, and for about 30 minutes today, a lot of people thought, "Well, here he comes back up to Pittsburgh." But no, it's because he had a sore wrist. Yeah. But it, this might be, you know, Sean Rod's last chance because Gong can't play the outfielder, but he can be outfield, but he could be that middle infield guy. That basically, that's what's keeping Sean Rod's job right now before they called up Frazier uh, this afternoon, he was the only other person who could play shortstop. Mm-hmm. So this is his, if he does get a chance, assuming he does get another opportunity against the Southpaw, against the Diamondbacks or pinch hit opportunity, this is probably his last chance to prove that he could be a Pirate or at the very least a good trade chip. If not, he's going to be designated for assignment at some point soon, you'd have to imagine.
0: Alex is uh, right there with a segue because something else we wanted to talk about was a current look at some of the more well-known or well-established uh, Pirates trade ships and where their stock is right now. But before we do that, I want to remind the business owners out there or decision makers of the business, we are looking for advertisers for this podcast. Uh, like I said at the top, we are a semi-daily podcast. Um, and that fact alone means your ROI is going to be considerable. Considerable for not much investment. So if you're interested, I'd love to tell you about our rates and get you in touch with the right people. Um, so email me at jrollison, J-R-O-L-L-I-S-O-N, on at com, or you can even get me on Twitter at jrollisonpgh. DMs are open, as the kids say. So you mentioned perhaps bumping up some trade stock for some folks, and I want to talk about four people, in, in, four people specifically and where their trade stock is right now. So I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you the name, Alex. You just give me your first initial burst of thought on their trade value. You ready?
1: I'm ready. I, I don't know any of these names, so this is all genuine.
0: Yes, this is this is legit. This is not the content factory for radio shows that you hear about where they make up content. No, this is real. We have integrity, <laughs> goddammit, and here it comes. <laughs> Josh Harrison, his trade value in your eyes.
1: Uh, pretty good. You have to think that uh, the two option years that come with him, they might be a little pricey, but, you know, you have complete team control if you so choose to trade them after a bad year, or cut them, I should say, after a bad year, you can. Uh, And the flexibility, especially at second or third base, there have to be some teams that would find that appealing. Uh, The most logical place at the beginning of the year that I thought he would have landed was the Mets. They've kind of fallen off, so I don't see them being buyers at the trade deadline. Maybe someone else gets injured, but I I wouldn't expect a legendary <laughs> haul for him. But for a guy who has potentially two more years of team control, is providing league average offense, and has a good reputation as a defender, uh, there is value there. I think he could bring back something reasonably nice.
0: Yeah, over his past two weeks, look, he's been amazing. Uh, 55, across 55 played appearances in the last 14 days, uh slashing 327, 382, 469, WRC plus of 131. Again, striking out very, very little at 12.7%, walking a little less than he has been uh before he got injured. And flashing a little bit of power, which makes me think like, you know, maybe he's showing some people that last year, maybe not so much of a fluke, and maybe you can expect. God, you know, God forbid, 15 home run type power. And I've always wondered, like, what those option years, and this is the same with Polanco, what what that does to a person's trade value, and we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, Here's the next name for you, Alex. It is none other than Jordy Mercer, who is really, maybe, arguably, the Pirates' best offensive player over the past week to to 10 days.
1: Yeah, I just tweeted that out uh, today. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but as memory serves, it's been a 321, 394, 500 slash line over the last month and change. So, I mean... We've always seen Jordy heat up around this time of the year, but, you know, once again, he's doing it again. Uh, Defense has taken a big step down, but I think there are a couple teams that are going to be in the market for a shortstop. One team in particular would be Philadelphia Mm -hmm. because Philadelphia as a whole is getting absolutely god-awful production from their shortstops, and it's a pretty poorly kept secret that this offseason they are going to go hard at Manny Machado. So getting the guy who could be a rental piece, you know, shore up that middle landfield for right now for a potential playoff spot wouldn't cost that much in terms of dollars and prospects. And you can still have that door open for Manny Machado. I think that trade makes a lot of sense if the Pirates do end up selling.
0: It does. And, uh, you know, Mercer, it seems like this is his ultimate destiny with the Pirates, right? I mean, he's not Yeah. obviously not in the Pirates' future plans. And ever since, you know, he started to creep up into his arbitration years. Everyone's kind of looking at 2018 like, okay, he's going to be a trade deadline piece for sure, and we'll see what we can get for him. So in a a very weird way, this is kind of like his ultimate destiny, I think. I don't want to –
1: Yeah, I mean, even if the parts are roughly 500, I can see them doing what they did with Mark Lanson and Tony Watson, where even if they bring in a guy or two, they trade the guy who has you know, just two months of control remaining.
0: Exactly, and I don't want to – just a quick sidebar. And I don't really want to go too far into this, but, uh, you know, Manny Machado insisting on playing shortstop minus 15 DRS this year. Just saying, just saying,
1: he's still like what a three war player already.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean,
1: okay. Yeah. yeah, Still a heck of a ball player to put there. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to take just a real quick side trip while we're on this discussion. Uh, is this the year and I feel that it is, is this the year that Neil Huntington should be a little more aggressive in trying to set the market for some of these guys? Now he doesn't have like the high oh, end target and I'll, I'll get to you in one second, I'm sorry. He doesn't have like the high end target that means he could just like walk in like Vince McMahon in the famous, you know, WWE GIF. He can't do that, but he can he can get ahead of some things. What do you think?
1: Well, uh, yeah. Before you very rudely didn't let me very rudely interrupt you, yeah. I think the best example would be looking at uh, Kansas City, and what they're doing. They traded Jay and they traded Herrera in June. It they're shorting the market. It's like if you guys really want them, why would you wait? You know, six more weeks to trade for. Them? So especially now that we're after uh, the Super Two deadline, and if we believe Huntington's rhetoric, Newman does seem major league ready. The only thing that's holding him back is Jordy Mercer. I, even if the Pirates aren't planning to sell, I think you have to, you know, just put out there: Hey, here's a guy. If you need a shortstop for you know two or three months, you could do a whole lot worse than him, and they would have a suitable replacement between either him or, if you're really optimistic, Jung Ho can play shortstop.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned Kevin Newman because that's going to be one of my points about how they have a, a self-proclaimed, by Neil Huntington's words, replacement for Mercer. And they also have one for Yvonne Nova, who's my next uh, next person here on my list. And before I get your take, this is kind of the same situation with Mercer because obviously Nick Kingham can come right into the rotation and at least hold the fort down. Now, Yvonne Nova has uh, pitched pretty well over the last two weeks as well, across two starts. Um, you know, 8.49K per nine, a uh, 3.5, 3.61 FIP, excuse me. So uh, obviously Nova has those years of control. What does that mean for his trade value, Alex?
1: I think Nova might be a weird, weird case of the guy who actually has more trade value this offseason than in the middle of, you know, the regular season. Please explain. Because even though st- starting pitching obviously always has, you know, been overpaid for come the trade deadline but we also have this legendary free agent class coming. And there's going to be a team that makes a splash. And whenever you make a splash and sign one or two free agents, you may as well go all out. And I feel like Ivan Nova would be the type of guy that, hey, here's the guy who's relatively cheaply priced, who give, be a good inning eater, but let's trade for him also. I don't know how much value Nova has right at this second. It really is going to be determined in this next month and a half. Because, yeah, he did just put together two good starts, but that second start, he didn't have a breaking ball at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really the type of outing that, you know, you could chalk up as, okay, here, trade for him now. He was basically going out. There were two pitches against a fairly subpar lineup outside of Joey Votto and uh, Suarez. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much value he has right now. I don't know how much he can build over this next month and a half. I think they would probably be better off just hanging on to him and then exploring a trade this off season and giving, which would give Nick Kingham, you know, the job, uh, for 2019, which is what he really needs. It'd be nice to give him a job now, but next year he's out of options. That's the do or die time. There has to be something cleared by them. I think this off season makes more sense than July for Nova.
0: Listen, great points on Nova. Credit to me for asking you. Let's move on. Um, Francisco Cervelli. Now, uh, on my Twitter and follow me at J Follow Alex, by the way, at Alex J Stumpf. S T U M P F. Got that right. Um, okay. I, wrote, I throw out a poll every. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Credit to me for getting it right. So <laughs> every noon, every day at noon, I throw out a poll. Um, and one of my polls last week was, you know, who has the most trade value. It was a, it was a stupid poll because I put Cervelli and some other guys I can't even remember right now, and Cervelli won in a landslide. Um, now, he is under contract like Nova as well for the rest of this year and next year, $11.5 million, uh, Fair value, maybe? I don't know. Alex, what's his trade value? Right yes. Now?
1: Yes, it's good. Good. People want catchers. People can't buy catchers. The only person who could really also be in the market, I think, would be Luke Roy. And that's assuming that Oakland, who's in a similar situation as the Pirates, also decide to sell at the time. Right now, I mean, there's a lot of concern with Francisco's framing. Uh, that broken hand in uh, 2016 really has, it does look like that's been the turning point in his framing career. He hasn't been as good since then. So whenever you have a guy who is struggling defensively like this, as a, especially as a catcher, you know, first base is always that looming option. Now he really doesn't have that option in Pittsburgh because of Josh Bell. And he's hitting well enough that he could obviously be a first baseman this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as many home runs mm-hmm. as you want, but if you've got a 140 something WRC plus, hey, if that's supposed to be a power or of position, he's got it. So here's a guy who can catch. A guy, a team like Washington, I think, would make a whole lot of sense, mm-hmm. especially since you know they seem to be all in trading for Herrera this early. Mm-hmm. I think I think Francisco does have the most trade value on this team, and he. Outside of Jordy, probably is the most expendable because Elias Diaz is having a fine season, and if you believe he's the catcher of the future, why not give him two more months to start? And even Jacob Stallings is having a quietly solid season in AAA, and he has a great repertoire with the pitching staff, which is what you really want in a backup catcher. I mean, the offense is just, you know, the cherry on top.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also had some years in the system with Justin Message, who is the second seat at the table with Ray Sears. Yes, this year as well. So, Good point. Yeah, um, so yeah, the defense is absolutely atrocious, and not not to uh, not to get all Big J Jerno on you, Alex, but I've also heard some rumblings that the Nationals are really, really thinking about Cervelli on their radar um, to the point where some names were were uh, exchanged very lightly. You know, it's not quite. It's not quite the scenes of movies where you, you go to a, meet a job interview at a bar and they write a salary down on the piece of paper and push it across the table. Didn't get to that point yet, um, but from what I've heard, you know, there's there's definitely interest there, and also to build on your it, point it makes about, sense, yeah. And to build on your point about first base, they can also look to the American League and see if someone wants to DH part time, DH in part time as well. So some intrigue there. And I think that's about a good place to stop as any for this uh, quick edition of the Lockdown Pirates podcast. So I want to thank Alex Stump for joining us, you know, sticking around PNC when, you know, apparently if you look at Twitter right now, Will Graves from the AP and Bill Brink just are putting photos of some absolutely horrid situations with this water. So get, get somewhere safe, Alex.
1: No, I'm I'm guaranteeing you that I'm already at the bottom of a puddle. My car's ruined, I bet. <laughs> I made <laughs> – I'm not that far away from the wharf' parking tonight, oh, so even if I somehow survive this flash flooding, the car will long be gone. I'll have to paddle home, treat it as a canoe. Okay.
0: So I wanted to leave our listeners with that image in their head of Alex paddling across home. <laughs> um, all right. And in my
1: Subaru Rope Pack. All right. <laughs>
0: Well, they say it's it's a rugged uh it's a rugged crossover, and you're putting it to the test. It's an
1: all-terrain vehicle. Water is a terrain.
0: Yeah, if you if you get creative enough, you can think that it is. Yes. All right, look, Alex, it's been a great it's been a great podcast. I appreciate you coming on. Credit to me for asking you. And uh, one more time, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: At Alex J Stumpf, S-T-U-M-P-F.
0: Okay, and you can read Alex at BucksDugout dot and I encourage you to do so. And